Welcome back to the Macam in the Middle podcast, third game of the league season and the first win of the season, a win at home against Rotherham United, a team that went into this game 14 away, away games without a win, um, that last one coming against Sheffield United in November, I think it was, so plenty of Sunderland fans were aware of that, plenty of Sunderland fans were wary of that and of course we'll get into what happened during the game in chronological order where we can but of course Sunderland did win 2-1 and pick up the first three points of the season which is so important at this point Michael you've got everything going on the striker situation which we'll get onto at some point as well because there's a little bit of a talking point there but you know with everything that's going on at the club all the rumours coming out Pritchard you know could be leaving Bart could be leaving fans not happy about this that and the other just to get a win to calm things down is vital, and we got it. That you pretty much summed it up better than I could. That was such an important win, and I hate the idea of having must-win games even at this point into a season, this early into a season. But that was one where if you didn't win that game, then I think it would have certainly been very, very frustrated atmosphere, if not potentially toxic, which I don't particularly think would have been fair. But that's the nature of it. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you look at the struggle, I mean, obviously, look, we, we, all, we all know this, that we won yet yeah, we won at the weekend. And it was, and it was even though I felt, and I said this on YouTube, it was our weakest performance of the three. That doesn't necessarily mean I think we played bad, because I don't think, because I think across the game we didn't. I know there were people who thought Rotherham were the better team early doors, and maybe because they pressed a bit, maybe. But I felt that it was more, we were just shaky early doors. We weren't. We weren't able to get our foothold onto it, but and then once, but equalising. So I know you'll touch on it later, but equalising so quickly was so important because at that point, if I'm right, there were people chanting Danny Bart's name, um, which I'm not gonna lie, I was kind of joining in just for the for the crack of it, basically. But um, <laughs> you know, it was it was important to equalise when we did, and that was a game that we simply had to win at all costs. And even with the striker situation, which as we know, we'll make it clear that just because we won yesterday doesn't mean that situation can be forgotten about because we still need another forward, but. You know, even with the current state of the squad, we should be beating Rotherham. As arrogant as it sounds, we that was a game we should have been winning regardless. And Joe Bellingham in particular, who I thought had a really good game, obviously there was a few players who did to get a brace was really, really important for him. Second, um, the most important brace of the day for the Bellingham household, just to point it out there. Jude's can, Jude isn't as significant. Um, but, you know... Always yeah, good. Sorry, no, of course not. Of course not. I haven't seen either of Jude's goals, but I'm going to pretend they're not as good. So, yeah, neither of you know, Yeah, it doesn't matter. But anyway, <laughs> the point is, it was definitely important to win the game. And if anything, but as you know, performances over the few games haven't been that bad. We've generally created enough across mm-hmm. the games to get... We should probably be on about five or six points, at least really, in the table for me. But it doesn't matter. We're only on three, but it's a, it's a, it's a win. It's a win. That's all we can ask for. And hopefully it's the first of many to come. Yeah. And like I said before we started recording, Kyle, and people probably disagree with this, but wins in terms of what your goal is at the end of the season, at this stage of the season, don't really mean too much. Because, um, you know, you could you, you can be top of the league three games in the season, you could be bottom of the league three games in the season, but it doesn't make a difference. But for Sunderland, again, alluding to the point of, you know, the striker situation, the senior player situation, even rumours about Mowbray being unhappy, just to get that win to settle things down should do, you know, everyone quite a lot good, you know, going into the going into the next yep. few games, obviously starting with Coventry. Yeah, and you could I think you could see it on the players' faces as well. I think they really enjoyed it. It's you know, as much as it's frustrating for us, you can only imagine that 
it's equally as frustrating, if not more, for the players and the coaches. And so it did feel quite like a release, which is good. Now, now it truly does, in my opinion, feel like the season started. Not to say that those first two losses, you know, don't count because they absolutely do. But now it does at least feel like, okay, it's, you know, there's, there's still, <laughs> there's still a lot to be played, obviously. So yeah, you could just see it. They're, they're having fun again. I think the performance overall was really solid. A few little changes in, in, um, I would not, obviously not formation, not lineup, um, but just on how the certain players kind of filled in for each other, I thought was really interesting. So I'm sure we'll get into that, but yeah, overall, um, good performance. You said it was a, you know, decent atmosphere there. It looked like a nice day out, you know, a little windy, but, um, yeah, three points. It's, uh, now we're good. Now we're off now, you know, maybe we might not lose again. So you never know. We might not, hopefully. Hopefully. Incoming Ellis Sims brace at Coventry and we lose 2 1. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be his first goal for Coventry as well if he was to get a competitive one. one, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but obviously it's a 2 1 win, but we didn't start the game very well. And I think the first, well, up until Sunderland get equaliser, the showing from Sunderland was pretty horrid, I would say, Michael. <laughs> I like that. I actually like that phrase, the way you put it pretty hard. It, it, look, I didn't think Robin were that good, personally, but we weren't that good either. I think that I think it, if there's any period of the game where it demonstrated the lack of a focal point or something to aim for going forward, it was the first opening 20 minutes, pretty much up until Rotherham scored, actually. Um, because every time we tried to pass the ball, it kept on being sideways, sideways, backwards all the time. There was no fluid movement. There was no forward movement. There was no one making proactive runs or anything. It just looked very disjointed um, early to open into early 20 minutes or so. Um, and it was, unfortunately, it was far too easy for Rotherham to contain us because, you know, it, at the end of the day, it, it, it should, I, mean, I know, I know I'm, I'm bored of talking about the striker situation, but if anything, it should highlight the need for a forward. But saying that, uh, we've obviously got Hamir, who I would like to be seeing playing more, but I suppose it's a matter of he's not adjusted to men's football yet. Mm. However, yeah, you're right. Early doors, we just couldn't get going at all. And and it took until Rotherham scored, basically, to probably wake up properly. Mm. But on that goal, obviously Rotherham did take the lead. It is just very easy to score against us at the minute, I think. And I, could, I know some of the goals have conceded Ipswich, uh, their opening goal, Preston's mm-hmm. opening goal as well, actually, and their winning goal as well in that game, Kyle, the, the deflections. But <laughs> the chances that teams are making against us that are resultant to goals are coming by too easily, realistically. You know, they didn't... I mean, yep. I think Rotherham fans were chanting all a few <laughs> seconds before they actually scored which shows that, you know, they were comfortable on the ball. We weren't really pressing them like we usually do. And, you know, a couple of seconds later, they threw on goal and they make it 1-0. Yep. And, yeah, and it was a little bit of a deflection as well. But I think what teams are doing is what a lot of times we we would like to see us do a little bit more. We, we do enjoy, like... A, a very aesthetically pleasing goal. <laughs> you know, we try to pass it quite a lot and things like that. Other teams right now are just getting anywhere near the box and just ripping it low and hard, basically, and hoping for a deflection. And it's worked three out of three times so far. So I, yeah, I wish we would, you know, do that. And I think we did, you know, start to kind of do that a little bit. But yeah, another deflected goal. I don't know if it's just the spacing just not quite, you know, perfect you know, or, or not quite what we're used to. <clears throat> and we're going to have those issues especially with, you know, leaving someone out like Bath and, you know, having no nine in and whatnot. But um, I thought a nine played fine yesterday. But, yeah, defensively, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for Mike, Michael Bowers' patented clean sheet. Uh, I, I don't think we'll see a lot of 
a lot of them this season. Um, yeah, I but think I need to start accepting that myself. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. So but you know, way, but just to quickly point out, you're right. Yeah. I'm just looking at the goal back, and to be fair, there is an element of fortune there because while O'Neill's not in the centre, he goes out to stop the ball coming into the box, and it yep. bounces towards a dolphin. I think his name is. Mm. Uh, granted, the marking's a bit poor, but I just want to point that out there. To be fair, actually, I wasn't correct. That's why you guys know when I'm in the group chat, I I am pretty much first out the gate when we concede a really crap goal but to be fair I didn't yesterday because even I saw it live that there was a bit of fortune about that goal as well but sorry it's carry on Kai. It's, pretty, yeah, it's a pretty good goal too I mean he he absolutely ripped into that too so you know and I think he injured himself from it if, if I'm being honest because I'm pretty sure he went off shortly after he did, that he did but, go off injured not long after that yeah yeah so but but yeah it's um I wouldn't say completely concerning because it's not like they look lost out there like they are we are in the right positions we are making the right time I would say timing wise we're there it's just it's kind of the run of the grain sometimes and so I, I think it's important for leadership now just to you know, remain confident especially in the defense and then you know especially with uh with our attacking side of the ball too if we can just you know get a lead early it, it it's a little bit easier to defend sometimes so I don't know overall I thought it was fine it's I think I, we're still yet to take the lead in a game this yeah. season aren't we well, we but well, we get we to score yesterday. the first goal in the Not game for, if, that's, if that's what you exactly. mean. Exactly. Yeah. That, yeah. That's what you mean. Yep. Yeah. So we'll because we'll obviously we took the lead in the game yesterday when we ended up winning Good. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but uh, hopefully we get the goal first again. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, that would, the be nice. that would be nice. Season. Would be. Um. But the point that I made about Sunderland being, let's put it frankly, shit in the first half an hour of the game, um, was a lot. Well, mainly down to the fact that when we get the ball, there was no urgency to move it forward really a lot of it was played at the back a lot of it was played in our half a lot of it was sideways and backwards and you, you could tell how frustrated the crowd were getting when either Lugo Nyan or Trey Hume or whoever it was would get the ball possibly have 10-15 yards of space in front of them to either drive into play the ball into do whatever you wanted to and we just stand there with the ball at his feet and not move for like five or ten seconds and everything was played at half a mile an hour up until Vosloon got that goal Sunderland decided to speed it up a little bit and get the reward from it, Michael, because about a minute after Rotherham took the lead, Sunderland got the equaliser. And that's it. It comes from Sunderland, moving the ball quicker, moving quicker, um, a bit more movement off the ball and, and showing for it. Uh, Jack Clark gets it, plays it into the box for Dan Neal to head back towards Job, who obviously gets his first goal of the, well, of the game, of the season, his first goal at the club. And Possibly his first goal in senior football as well. I don't know if he scored for Birmingham or not, but we're going to go along with that as well because it sounds good. But <laughs> if you look at when a good time is to get an equaliser, it is directly after conceding. Definitely. And as I mentioned before, and as you mentioned, with all the atmosphere thing, with everything that's going on at the moment, that 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 goal was so important in the way it did. And I think as well, because it just unbalanced Rotherham, because... When you, when you went, I don't know about you guys, but when we went 1-0 down, I was just thinking, this is exactly the type of situation Rotherham hope for. Go 1-0 up, we'll, and then we haven't got enough focal point and outlet. We'll get frustrated. We'll lose our composure. We might concede more goals. The atmosphere will turn, make it easier for them to win the game, and so on. But I think just that goal, getting it so quickly, unsettled them, and it sort of steadied us again. It meant mm. that we could, you think, right, okay, goal cancelled out. It's 1-1, but we've got the momentum now. And from that point onwards, you could tell that the, yeah, the intensity and the desire to it, to an extent, was stepped up a bit. That it was actually playing at what two hundred miles an hour instead of like five miles an hour. Because yeah. when we were playing it in the in early doors, it was far too easy for Rotherham to defend. They basically didn't have to do anything. So once once we started playing the way we can play, 
there were times in the rest of the game where they just couldn't live with our intensity. Um, so yeah, that that goal for for a magnitude of reasons was was vitally important. Absolutely. Yeah, and goes in to half time at one one Kyle, which you know, constantly go one nil down, and for majority of that first half performance was poor. So it's not the worst case scenario to go in level. You come out second half, and the performance is just a lot better in general. Um, again, kind of started the second where we ended the first in terms of moving the ball quicker, more players showing for the ball, which was a big issue in the first kind of half an hour. Um, and just looked a lot more like the team that that we know Sunderland can be in terms of on the ball and off the ball. We looked a bit more solid defensively. Um, yep. Just everything kind of seemed to click a little bit more in that second half. Now, so we'll get on to the goal in a second. Yep. Yeah, uh, just to confirm too, it was Job's. I think that that is his first and eventually second goal of his professional career. So that's fantastic. Um, yeah. And you could tell, like I said, he was excited. And I think it was a, it's going to be a tough spot to be in for him. So, I'm, you know, a great goal overall. His movement on the first goal is great. But yeah, second half. Don't tell the fans that we've got, a te- we've got a terrible player, apparently. Right. <laughs> Right. Well, we'll get on to that. You know, that that's a discussion for another pod. I'm sure it's all the other weird obsessed fan bases. But anyways, um, no, I'm kidding. It's uh, yeah. Second half, uh, we looked way better. And uh, that's a lot from last season as well. Uh, we had a lot of those games, too, where we'd come out a little lackluster in the first half. Mowbray, I think, has a good way to talk to these guys uh, to get them going for the second half. And I think just simplify things. And that's the biggest thing I saw. And, and another difference I saw, too, was. Um, kind of how uh, Dak uh, had his presence felt in the second half. In the first half, honestly, he was pretty visible. Uh, he was getting knocked off the ball. Granted, I think a lot of us were. We we tend to just be, you know, kind of half-heartedly. I, th- I think that's I think that's one of the biggest yeah. things that changed for something in the game as well. Yep. When Dak obviously Dak started the game up front, Bellingham was playing kind of in the ten. Yep. When they switched around is when it, things improved. Really, and I think yep. Bellingham will inevitably come up in a speaking interview very soon saying, oh, we always saw him as a striker. But, <laughs> you know, for, hopefully we have a striker in for the company game anyway, which I say, like, we'll get on to. But, you know, for what Bellingham did, or Job, as he prefers to be called, as I keep forgetting, um, for what he did when he was up there, he looks very much like a player that, you know, mm-hmm. would would do a job in that kind of position because he's 17, he's seven Tall. foot six or whatever he yeah. is. You know, he's strong on the ball. He's composed on the ball. He's everything you want in a player to be in that position. And obviously, he gets two goals. Probably could have had three or four. Probably should have had three or four. But, you know, the way the game changed when he went up there yep. is a testament to how good Bellingham is and how good Bellingham will be. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, the, he's just versatile. Like, he is kind of like that new modern player that, that you love to see, especially in these sorts of attacking roles, because he can... He's just he can be dangerous in a number of places. And that's what, like I said, the way they just kept it simple was, yeah, just communicating that and just having, you know, Dak drop back a little bit more again and and just kind of, you know, play more balls into players like Job. We even had a nice ball over the top, I think, from Luke O'Nine, who I, I can see. It, you know, I know a lot of people kind of criticize Mowbray talking about how, oh, well, Luke's back there because, you know, we're trying to play out of the back more and things like that. But uh, you can obviously see that's why. I mean, the touch on the skill that he can show on some of these deep balls and things like that are fantastic. So uh, you had one over the top to Bellingham. I think the only thing that I could really say about Job's game, and it's no, you know, no fault to him really. He's just, you know, getting a little stronger and he's 17. So <laughs> it's, I, I think that can happen, but yeah, no simple switches and, and just formationally keeping it the same, but just swapping, you know, how Dak played that role uh, really made a big difference. So 
Yeah, second half was, and you can tell too. And then the thing I liked is the crowd got into it. They could sense that rather were on the ropes, and we just were relentless. Quick throw-ins, quick free kicks. We we didn't really let them breathe at all. And especially at home, that's what you have to do. And uh, I, I love the way we we carried out that second half. Yeah, and of course, someone to get the winner in that second half, Michael, is Joe, but it gets it. It's a good player, and it's Dak that gets the assist. And like people say on Twitter, I think the assist is overlooked a little bit. Um, and I say, like I say, I don't think Dak had a particularly good first half. Him and Job swapped positions, and I think Dak offered a lot more uh, to the game. Because yeah. I think Dak, albeit is not Ahmad, seemed to very much be playing, you know, the same kind of role that Ahmad was for the entirety of last season, which where he'd pick the ball up anywhere. You'd see him, you know, in between the two centre halves, in between the two midfielders, on the left, on the right, up front, and he just kind of floats around the pitch and picks the ball up and. If he's going to keep doing that and if he stays fit and gets you know up to full match fitness, which I don't think he still is yet, he could be a very good player to have in that role. And actually, he gets the assist, he knocks it back to Job, and you know, it's a very, very, very good finish. It's a very, um, I was going to go exquisite finish, but that's probably a bit exaggerative. But it's, it's very good. It's technically very good. He's opened his body up really well to hit the ball. And the, and the, ball, the ball, I think, goes past the keeper. Like It's so finely placed, the finish, where it goes past the keeper and then creeps into the back post. And then obviously it's a goal, but you're right. Obviously you're right. I think a lot of people did have overlooked Dak's assist, but I won't because I'll mention it. That was a really quality little quick pass, quick sideways pass to Bellingham. Because what he saw was that because, and this is one of the things I wish Sunderland would do actually. If you know, if you watch the goal back, if I'm right, there are players that he's drawn about a few, a few um, Rotherham players onto him, which yeah. means that Job's got the space in the six yard box or in the penalty area to hit. He's got more of an opportunity to get the ball accurately placed where he wants to place it. Yeah. And it's something that, because obviously when people say like, we people double up on Clark or people double up on Roberts, but exactly because people are doubling up on some of our players, that means that there's other players that are going to have more space to aim for and it increases our chances of scoring. And that winning goal was a prime example of that. But yet the build-up was much better. Even the tackles we won in the build-up to that, you could just tell we wanted it that little bit more than Rotherham did. When Often when we've struggled, I think it's because teams have pressed us and wanted it just that little bit more. Not saying the mm. lads haven't wanted it, but like that extra 5% can make a difference. And the winning goal is a prime example of all those good factors combined. Yeah. And that Michael says, that was the winning goal. And that is how the game finished. A few other chances he went there for Sunderland. Uh, Hamia coming on and almost getting his, his first league goal uh, about a minute after coming on with a, a good effort from outside the box and just wide but it was a 2-1 win big three points because of everything that's going on at the club speaking of which is the striker situation which was due to be resolved two days ago and then it was due to be resolved yesterday and now it's at the time of recording which is obviously Sunday is due to be resolved today so whether someone's in by the time this podcast goes out or not is yet to be seen but Supposedly, things are slowly clicking into place. Kyland, someone, possibly Jay Stansfield, um, which I don't think too many people know too much about, could be through the door by Saturday, which is just going to be a welcome boost. It's going to be another option up front, which is you know what we've lacked in the uh, opening three games of the season prior to Saturday's game against Rotherham. So. Yeah, be interesting to see what happens with that. Yeah, one. I'm not going to come on here and pretend I know anything. I, I think he was on in League One last season, right? On, yeah. on loan, I'm I believe. Exeter. So yeah, at this point, it doesn't matter. I will take literally anyone to to, to, to come and just. You and know, I, and I, I don't. Think people are writing them off as well because people yeah. have this thing. And I think everyone does it. I think I do it at times as well, where you will, when you're late, especially with a striker, you'll, you know, you'll go on to the. 
to transfer market page or you'll go on YouTube or you'll go on you'll go on whatever website you yeah. use for it and you'll look at his goal record and you'll see that his goal record isn't great. But the point that I made to someone on Twitter earlier today was Ross Stewart had a poor goal record before yep. he signed. Uh, Nathan Broadhead, obviously he's not actually our player anymore, but before he joined on loan, had a poor goal record. He went on to score quite a few goals and be crucial in that season. And on the other hand, Will Grigg, one of the most, yeah. you know, one of the best goal scorers there's been in League One. We signed him, he couldn't score goals. Danny Graham, absolutely banging form at Swansea before we signed him and everyone knows what happened after that. Not just the first time, but the second time as well. So records... It's style are of play. somewhat it, meaningless, aren't they? Right. As long as we have the style of play, especially what we do have, it's just conducive for anyone to at least be positionally there, right? Be be on the other other end of these balls, you know, because we had, like we said, Dak, we had Robert Clark all playing really, really good balls in the box yesterday. We were able to capitalize on a few of them. But it, it, because we have this system, it's I, I truly do think we could, even if we don't, or even if we bring in a striker and he doesn't go off and have, you know, 20 goals or anything like that, like Michael said a little earlier, how certain players occupy space frees up other players. So be, because we'll have a recognized true striker in the box, that means that they'll be able to double less on our fantastic wingers who it's going to be, I think a rough couple of days as far as <laughs> like articles about us, because I think today it was it's told that Celtic and Southampton are looking for Patrick Roberts. And there's also an article that says supposedly Tony Mowbray is still fighting for his job. And, you know, it's, Somebody made the point where it's like, how can we not know anything about a striker situation, but somebody knows enough to know that Mowbray is, you know, unhappy and fighting for it. It's just, uh, we just tend to be the uh, the center of a lot of these types of pieces, and I don't get it. You know, I think it's a conspiracy against us, obviously. So, <laughs> but I, I think it'll be good. Bring in a recognized striker. Yeah, right. hey, I'm, I, lo- I love a good conspiracy, let me tell you. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Let, <laughs> that's right. Let's let's bring someone in, put them in the right spot. That that'll kind of ease a lot, and it'll just give us another way to play. And I think that's uh, it'll allow us to be way more flexible. But um, other than that, I think we still need a really good, you know, like a CDM type player, and um, yeah. maybe another winger just in case we do lose um, either. Or uh, I think, I think a winger is quite important, even if we don't lose any of the ones we have now. With right, you know, we only have three wingers at the club. Obviously, play two of them. One get injured. Yep, not too many options there, but we haven't done a standout player for the first three games of the season because no one really wanted it, and we're probably True. not going to do one today either because I think it's just Joe Bellingham, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, well, it would have to be. And yeah. that was a great stat yesterday, him and his brother. It's just, yeah, you, you just love to see it. So yeah. it's uh, if every time he does anything good, I can just, I just imagine Speakman having like a like a money calculator out and just like the the arrows pointing up just yeah. to get him for as cheap as we got him. I mean already scoring two goals it's this is this is uh really it's a it's the model that it's that some people just love very, to very exciting <laughs> signing not just for now but also for the future yeah. yep but you got it. coventry next game on saturday um a team that have obviously lost everyone pretty much uh whether it be loans or permanents obviously georg rez got to sporting uh gus hamers went to sheffield united uh scored in his debut against Nottingham forest as well uh, Callum Doyle obviously was on loan there last season. He's gone, well, went back to Man City to go back on loan to Leicester. Luke McNally, um, don't know where he's at now. I think he maybe back at Burnley or went out on loan to Stoke, it might have been actually. Um, and probably a couple of other players as well that have left. But they have brought in some good players. Um, they've brought in Hadji Wright, who looks like to be a very good striker. 
they brought in Ellis Sims as well, here on Michael Likes, um, and is probably <laughs> nailed on to do something against us, but it's going to be a game that probably the biggest challenge of the season so far, because I think Coventry, like I say, were 90 minutes away from Premier League football last season, albeit with a very different squad. So it'll be an interesting there game. Penalty shootout away from promotion, yeah. It was penalty shootout, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so it'll be an interesting game and a game that, you know, if someone can get another win, make it back to back wins, will do well for everyone involved at the club and especially the situation. But predictions for that one, Michael, quickly. Right, okay. Um, it's not necessarily what I think, but I'm going to do the reverse psychology thing again. I'm going to go for us to lose because we don't lose, do, don't do well at Coventry. But I said we wouldn't beat Rotherham and we beat them. So I'll, say, two, I'll say 2 1 to Coventry. But again, it's, again, it's so not reverse psychology. <laughs> Kyle? And I think I did I, I think I did say 2 1 last week, and I did say Job would score, but I think I also said someone else would as well. But nonetheless, um, a 2 1 seems to be the flavor of, of the. Uh, of the season so far, so uh, I'll go. I'll go two one win. I'll, I think just a surprising, a really ugly win, but we'll get something across the line. Uh, but I'd even take a draw at this point. But I'm feeling strangely optimistic. So there you go. Hopefully so. But of course, that's on Saturday. Uh, normal time kick off three o'clock. Um, so we'll have a video out, a video, a podcast out. Um, well, technically a video because it goes on Ten- YouTube, doesn't it? Suppose it is a video. But for some reason, it only up. Only lets me upload the video onto Spotify now, so you can watch the video on Spotify, which is interesting. That's a bit weird, but there you go. You can choose to do that. You can can stare at a pretty picture that I've made in about 30 seconds. But of course, that's on Saturday. We'll get a podcast out talking about that. But until then, we will see you there. That's all, folks.